Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. Brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We trust the Father. Let's pray. Father, we thank you because I'm anointed to teach your Word. And Lord, I thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And I pray that this morning that our heart is edified and built up in the revelation of the knowledge of the person of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. We've been talking about the word, and I want to plead with you. I want to really plead with you. Get the messages that have been taught here. Just get them. Don't allow uh, familiarity make you lose out for the season that God has placed us to build one another. So get them, listen to them over and over again. Since the Grace Congress, God has been dealing with us about the, the concept of the Word, the importance of the Word, and how we need to get the Word first place in our life. And I want to read something in Amos chapter 8 and verse 11. Amos chapter 8 and verse 11. The Bible says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I would send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread. That means there will be prosperity, nor a thirst for water. That means there will be bread, there will be water, which speaks of uh, prosperity, abundance. It says, but of the hearing of the word of the Lord. There will be a famine of the hearing of the word of the Lord. And look at what it says. They shall wander from sea to sea, and from north to east, they shall run to and fro, seeking the word of the Lord, but shall not find it. And this is a very interesting scenario. God is saying that there is going to be famine on the land, but it's not going to be a famine of bread. It's not going to be a famine of water. Bread and water in the Bible speaks of prosperity, abundance, economics. But it's going to be a famine of the word of God. And people are going to run to and fro seeking the word of God, but they are not going to find it. And interestingly, it seems that like we are in those days, that you, you actually get into a church service and after one hour, two hours, you ask yourself, so what have I learned? It's either you've been taught economic principles, you've been taught things that almost tend to humanism, but not the word of the Lord. Remember what he said. He said there's going to be a famine of the word of the Lord. And the Lord is calling us back into the place of his word. His word. The word of God. And this is something that we must in our own lives try to find out if there is a famine of God's word in our own lives. In your personal study life, do you have bread, do you have water, but do you lack the word? Because it's possible for us to have bread, it's possible for us to have water, but in our own lives, there is a famine of the word. The word of the Lord. There might be other words, but then the word of the Lord. And 
looking at this scenario, I began to see why the Lord is raising up again teachers of his word. It's easy for the church to be distracted. And I'm going to go there as I progress with my time. It's easy for the church to be distracted and unconsciously we begin to allow society to tell us what to do. If you study church history, if you're a student of church history, you will understand that what we call revivals, right? For instance, we talk about the Welsh revival, Evan Roberts. We talk about the Azusa Street Reviver, William J. Seymour. We talk about um, all the revivals that happened in America and all the great revivalists, Alexander Dewey, Zion City, where Robert Slyadon was born. We talked about people like Maria Woodward Etta, Amesim McPherson, Catherine Coleman, uh, um, and all of those wonderful people that God used. William Wilberforce and all those wonderful people that God used to bet a certain revival. When you study revivals, what happened is that people catch a fire for the Lord, right? And the power of God breaks out and people are getting saved, people are getting healed. Now, this is what happens. People camp around the effects of the revival and then they begin to lose a place for the word. So they, they um, I'm thinking of which of them actually is an example now. Alexander Dowe, Zion City. Powerful guy. Many people were dying around him and uh, he, he, one day he got tired. People were just dying. He threw his Bible down and opened to accept uh, Jesus Christ going about healing and all that were oppressed of the devil. The spirit of revelation hit him. Started a mighty healing revival. And after a while, he, he began to say that he was the Elijah that, 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 was, that was to come. So he built this wonderful store. Started wearing all of this cassock and all that. And then the power of God left. And that was the end of Zion City. Two guys. The Jeffrey brothers. The Jeffrey brothers are mighty revivalists that, you know, were so powerfully used of God. It was one of the Jeffrey brothers that laid hands on uh, evangelist Riyad Bonke when he was a Bible school student in, in, in Africa. Now, at a point, after so much mighty manifestations, one of the Jeffrey brothers said while he was preaching that the world is under our feet. You know, and after that, you discover that the power of God began to dwindle. I, I'm going somewhere because we need to be careful in the season that we're in right now because we are as a church, and I'm speaking prophetically now, we are as a church beginning to move into that idolatrous state again. The power of God is evident. We're seeing miracles every day. But it's almost like we're beginning to exalt the people that God is using as opposed to the word. And that when we put the people that God is using and we put the word of God on this side, we are quick to run after the people that God is using. And then what's happening is that these people... I'll tell you of William Abraham, powerful guy, used of God, one of the purest prophetic voices that could give you a word of knowledge directly. In fact, interesting story, when William Abraham had the accident, and the day he died, he had the accident himself, I think one of his sons and the wife was in the car, they had the accident, and he asked the, the, the son if the mother was alive, and the son said, no, the, the mother's gone. He just told the son, put my hands on her, and the, the woman came back to life. That's how powerfully God used them. But then he wanted to stay in the office of a teacher and began to teach a lot of things. Now, what I'm saying that is that we're not 
we're, we're not, I mean, we've seen miracles. I've, I've absolutely mind-changing miracles. But we must not, we must not put the word of God below those miracles. And the challenge is now we have people also who work so much in these mighty revelations begin to teach things that everybody is running after which are not correct. And that is what ends the revival. So it's not as if every time we need to be revived, we need to be revived, we need to be revived. No, once God starts a thing, it is continuous. But the challenge happens when we begin to follow the effects of those things. And then we're going to throw the word of God aside. And it can happen in your own life. I'm talking about revival in a global scale now. But I'm talking about your own life. It's possible to follow the effects and the benefits of the Christian faith. And there is a famine of God's word in your own life. You're just focused on the favor that comes because you know God. You're focused on the healing that comes because you know God. But you're not growing in your knowledge of God. Or in your knowledge of His purposes. Are we together? Okay. So I want to look at this morning why the word of God is not profiting people. Why, why does it not profit people? I'll, I'll go somewhere now. I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 8. We're going to come to Mark 4. That's our foundational scripture. But I, I want to do a bit of introduction. Acts chapter 8. And we're going to read the story now. Acts what? Acts 8. Yeah. Okay. Let's go to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. And that is why you discover that sometimes after having this many things around you, you will begin to have a yearning for something more. You begin to feel like there's something more about God. There's something more. And what's that? It's that cry for the word of God. It's that cry to learn more of Christ. And you must respond to that. Acts chapter 8 and verse 27. I want to read something to you here. And, and I want to show you, because I'm going to go back to this on Sunday, upper Sunday. This is going to take us three parts, this Sunday, Wednesday, and Sunday. But I want you to see the value that God places on his word. Now, you know the story of Acts chapter 8, if you read it. It was this mighty revival taking place in Samaria. And Philip went to preach Christ to them. Miracles happening, you know, all kinds of tremendous things happening. And the scripture says there was joy in the city. But see what God does. God takes Philip and sends him to the uh, Utopian Union. Now, in our mind... That's, that's not what God should do. There's a mighty revival taking place in the city. What should God do? Anoint um, um, Philip more to have more revival. You see, but God knows that if he can find one man whose heart is open to the word and receives the word, through that one man there can be mighty transformation. And church history has it that this um, utopian eunuch was the one through whom the gospel came into Africa. In fact, if you go to Ethiopia, uh, they have a group of Christians called the Coptic Christians. They, they consider themselves as the original trace of this, you know, this eunuch. So they have that version of Christianity there. But what I just want to say is that through this one man, God found out that if I can reach this man and his heart is open to the word, I can change the continent through him. And what God gave to this man was not a miracle. What God gave to this man was not a healing. What did God do? God said, I'm going to send a man to this guy to teach him and explain to him the scriptures and that's all I need 
to be able to impact the continent. In God's word is the healing. In God's word is the favor. In God's word is the miracle. We must again begin to extol the word of God in our churches, in our lives, in our personal dealings. We must begin, when the teaching of God's word is coming forth, we must begin to set our hearts to receive the word with all readiness. Look at this. Acts 8 now, verse 27. Verse 26. But an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and proceed southward. Or at midday. Okay, let me use the, the New King James Version. So he arose and went. Uh, okay. Now an angel of the Lord, 26, spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go down toward the side along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. Verse 27. So he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who are charged of all our treasury, had come to Jerusalem to worship. I, I want us to look at the life of this man. He had everything. The scripture says he was in charge of the treasury. But he traveled. You remember when we were talking about going from Ethiopia to Jerusalem, we're not talking about using Emirates. You understand what I'm saying? This man had to travel just to worship. And we're going to go there in the, in, on Wednesday, how the deceitfulness of riches stops us from profiting from the word. Because some of us have so much money that we go to service when we like, when it's comfortable. Some of us don't even make weekday meetings anymore. We're just so busy. That's not, well, Wednesday, I'll get the CD. Hey, come on, come on. Do you value this thing? Is God's word important to you? Is God's word important? How come we have time for everything but except the word? Everything, everything. Yeah, absolutely. We don't miss meetings. We don't miss union meetings. We don't miss town meetings. But then for the word, ah, okay. Ah, no, no, no. This thing is about value. It's not about me. It's not about the church. It's not about the name of the church. It's about Christ here. This thing is about value. And I'm going to show you something this morning. The devil doesn't mind you getting busy with anything except the word. The devil is after the word. Nothing else. That's what he's after. That's what he's after. But I want you to see that with all this man had, he traveled to worship. And I believe that it was his sacrifice to, to go to Jerusalem to hear God's word. And God saw his heart and like, this guy, he's got a heart for me. But he needs to understand me more. And that's why God will take a man who was having a revival in a city and send him to one man in the desert to preach to him. If you have a hunger for God's word, God will find you. Oh, God will find you. If you have a hunger for God's word, if you're one man locked up in the desert, God is going to send his servant to you to explain God's word to you. I believe that. Look at this. Let's read on. Well, he was returning and sitting in his chariot. He was reading Isaiah the prophet. Look at this man. He just finished the worship service in Jerusalem. Alright? And he was going back home. What was the man reading? The word of God. He was just reading Isaiah. Hey, this was not comfortable travel. He wasn't travel first class, uh, Etihad or Kenya Airways or Nigerian Airways. Or Epis. The guy wasn't in business class. He's traveling the dusty roads of a desert. But yet this man still, there was a hunger in his heart. You can see behind the lines of scripture. He still picked up the book of Isaiah and was just reading. And look at this. Look at this. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading. Heard him reading. Heard him reading. So the man wasn't just, he was reading aloud. Heard him reading. 
the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come sit with him. Now, there's something interesting about this man. He wasn't even understanding, but he just said, come on, this is God's word. Just read on. You know, some of you stop reading God's word because you don't understand. Like, ah, I don't even understand. Don't worry, pastor will explain it on Sunday. It's laziness. If you don't read, what will the Holy Spirit act on to give you understanding? Have you ever taken a portion of scripture and said, I'm finding it difficult to understand this portion of scripture. I want to study it today. Have you tried it? Look at this. Let's read it. And he said, how can I let someone guide me? And he asked Philip to come sit with him. The place in the scripture of which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before his share is silent. So he opened out his mouth and all that. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or so other men? Verse 35. Then Philip opened up his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. I love this. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Look at how God met this man at the point of his need, the point of his hunger. And God so, who is a master planner, so arranged it that he was reading about Jesus when Philip met him. I want to ask you a question this morning. Has your hunger for the word of God declined? Are you still hungry? Are you still hungry the way you were hungry when you said, Oh God, if you will just bless me. Oh God, if you just do this for me. Oh Lord, if you just bring my, my missing rib to me. <laughs> Even after the scriptures have said you are complete in him. You know, oh God, if you just do this. Oh God, if the church will just grow. Oh God, oh God, oh God. Have those things taken the place of the world that there is no more hunger for him? Are you still reading the word of God aloud? Do you still have time to confess God's word? Or now you so know God that you and the word, you are one. And look at this. God sent Philip to quench the hunger of this man. To explain the scriptures to him. To explain the scriptures to him. I, 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 sometimes I'm saddened when preachers say, you know, I hear people say all that, you know, I don't want to miss heaven. It's, I want to walk consciously so we can make heaven at last. That's not the goal of Christianity. The goal of Christianity is not to make heaven. And all you're doing is just a maintenance movement so you will not go to, you are just avoiding hell. You don't like God. You don't like His word. Oh, if this will take me to hell, I won't do it. You are just maintaining. So finally, you will just make it. That's not the goal. The goal of Christianity is that you might be like Him on the earth as He is in heaven. To represent Christ in all fullness. And we have this maintenance um, culture, not wanting to miss it, just, just, and it's not about the interesting journey we're taking with God. It's not about the adventure. It's not about learning God, rejoicing in Him. No, no. It's about ticking the boxes so we don't miss it. And so it becomes very mechanical. As far as I'm not, uh, as far as I'm not, you know, failing my exams, I'm just fine. I can go on with my life. 
That's not what this is all about. This is, this is a life. This is something that God has brought to impact our culture. Change the way we think. Change the way we respond. Change the way we act. Change our perception and perspective towards issues. This is something that God is giving to us to overhaul the whole of our system. It's not just about a destination. It's a life. Jesus said to Paul, go preach to them the words of this life. It's a new life entirely. Let's go to Mark chapter 4 now to see what we can build there. Okay, let's go to Luke 10. Luke 10, 14. Show you something here. Luke chapter 10, verse 14. What makes the word not to be profitable in our lives? Why is it that we sit every time and, hey, come on, it's like the word is not working. Luke 10, 14. Look at this. We've talked about this a lot. And we're going to camp around this story in the days ahead. Luke 10, 14. Look at this. I'm, I'm reading from the Amplified. But matter, overly occupied and too busy. Note those two words. Overly occupied and too busy. Was distracted with much serving. And she came up to him and said, Lord, is it nothing to you that my sister left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord replied to her by saying, Matter, matter, you are anxious and troubled about many things. There is a need of only one. But a few things. Mary has chosen the good portion. That which is to her advantage. Which shall not be taken away from her. Here was Mary and Martha. Jesus came into the house and Martha was occupied with much serving. It tells us that we can be in the presence of Jesus, but we're too distracted to listen to him. You can have the word of God right on your table. Have the word of God right on your iPhone, iPad. Have the word of God right on your, uh, your computer system. But you're too busy to sit at the feet of that word to learn. Just too busy. And are you busy with bad things? No. I mean, serving Jesus food is good. It's not good. It's good. This is good stuff. You know that happens to, to women a lot, right? For those of you who are married, you know, your wife can, you know, sometimes you have to literally beg your wife, oh yeah, sit down and eat. How many of you have experienced that? Because she's just about feeding you, taking care of the children, doing the housework, cooking. Have you heard, you know, some women say, oh, after cooking, I don't have appetite anymore. Because they spend so much energy. And maybe they were complaining, oh, I'm so hungry. In fact, that would, the way I will eat today, even God will be happy. And then at the end of the day, they got so busy, they, don't, they no longer have the appetite. Now what happens is this, it means that business itself has become food. They were hungry when they started, but they are no longer hungry when they finish. Because the energy has been expended into many things. The enemy doesn't mind you getting busy with good things as far as you don't have time to sit in the word of God. He's fine. Oh, Satan is excited. You're too busy for the word, don't deal. He's okay with it. You won't cause him, you won't cause him any problem in this life. The enemy would be as comfortable as he can if you can get so busy serving the Lord. You are in the ushering, you are in this, you are in the women's department, you are meeting, you can sweep the church, do everything. But when it's time for the word, don't be available. And as I am sorry to say, most of the most funny people you will ever meet in this life are church workers. Ah, meet them outside. Character totally opposite. 
They are so concerned with the hairstyle, the cap, the hat, the beret. They, they like all those things. Talk to them outside. They will slap you. So much anger. So much. They, they, you know, because sometimes we feel that serving in those capacity is proximity to God. Absolutely a lie. No. You can do all the things. And come on. You don't even have a relationship with God. You don't. You can finish as the head or shall go back home and beat up your wife. Yeah. You know why? It's not serving that changes you. It's God's word. It's God's word. I'm, I'm, nev- I'm, I'm, I'm appreciative of volunteers, but it never impresses me. In fact, when you are trying to serve too much, I sense that there's something you are covering up. There should be a hunger for the word. When you are trying to do too much, I just sense that, look, this guy is running away from the place of sitting down. Are you following what I'm saying? A pastor can be that. You know what the apostle says? He says, come on, we're going to leave administration so we can focus on prayer and the word. A pastor can be so busy, he doesn't have time for the word. He just comes and teaches anything. That's why we have stupid doctrines all over the place. Stupid doctrines all over the place. Because you want to study. If you study, you begin to see that some of the things you were taught are absolute lies. Why? Because somebody heard it from one papa that said it, and one papa said it, and one papa said it, and did not have time to study it. In fact, I'm studying something right now. I'm going to teach it, but I'm studying something right now. In Matthew, when the scripture says, if two official agree as touching anything on the earth, it shall be done unto you. We use that as the prayer of agreement. Right? But if you read from the beginning of that verse, it was talking about dealing with a brother who is offended in church. But for years, we have taken that as a prayer of agreement. I have also taught that. But I just began to read Matthew again. And I started reading. And he was talking about a brother. If you read the whole, I'm talking about the contextual interpretation now. If you read the whole chapter, it was dealing with a brother. He was offended. This generation owes the next generation a greater light in scriptures. Are you following what I'm saying? It will also take people who are disciplined to study the word. To be able to say, this was what was taught, but this is what God is saying. It, it happened between Apollos and, um, and uh, Paul. Pointing uh, uh, Priscilla and Aquila. The scripture says they pointed to him the more accurate ways of the Lord. Are you still here? Okay, I just said that so you can study it. I'm still studying, but I just said that so you can go back and study it. So you can be distracted. <laughs> and the enemy doesn't mind. As far as you are a distracted believer, the devil doesn't have a problem with you. He's okay with you. If you are too distracted for the word, he's okay with you. Because you never be grounded. You never walk in the authority in Christ. You never grow up in him. You still have childish behaviors after 16-20 years of Christianity. After 30-something years of Christianity. You still struggle with the same issues. Listen to me, saints of God. You must fight distraction that takes you away from the word. 
Fight those distractions. At the end of the day, this thing, listen to me, we want to give to the gospel. But at the end of the day, this thing is not about really how much you can give to the Lord if our lives are not transformed. If our lives are not totally transformed or totally impacted, it's not about how much we can give to the Lord. It's not really about how much we can do for the Lord. This is not about what we can do for Him. This is about how we can become like Him. By the knowledge of His Word. Are you, are you still here? Are you, are you happy? Okay. The Word is strong, but we rejoice by faith. Mark chapter 4. Let's go to Mark chapter 4 now and see this. This is strong. This is what the Lord has been dealing with us since the Grace Congress. And it's been strong. It's been strong. We just have to stay around it. I commend you to God and to the word of His grace. Which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among them that are sanctified. The word of God should build us up. Every year, we should be able to measure, this is how far I have grown by the word. This is how far I have been built up by the word. Praise the name of the Lord. Mark chapter 4. Are you there? Let's read verse 11. Make sure you get the Wednesday's message if you don't have it. Mark chapter 4 verse 11. And he said to them, To you it's been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables. Verse 12. So that seeing they may see and not perceive. And hearing they might hear and not understand. Lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven. It means that if people will understand God's word. If people will see God's word. They will turn. They will repent. They will change. It means in God's word is the capacity for change. Listen, I can tell you this confidently. No matter what you're going through in life. If I can get you to pay attention to God's word. You will experience a change. If you can sit down with the word. If you can take out all of those distractions and say, listen God, hey, I'm going to obey your word. Whatever you see, if you can act on the word of God, you will experience a change. Unknowingly to you. He says, the, plant, the word, the sower planted and went to sleep. And while he was sleeping, the word was growing. God's word has potency. Peter describes it as the incorruptible word of God. If you would plant the word of God on a situation, it will change it. One of the things that I think as, as pastors, we also began to misapply and that's given us this crop of Christianity that we have, is we began to teach people about suddenly, you know, suddenly miracles, you know, it's going to happen instantaneously, you know, breakthrough, acceleration, speed. And you know, unconsciously, we began to throw away words like patience. Come on, are you, are you here with me? We began to throw away words like endurance. We began to throw away words like long-suffering. These are not bad words. These are not bad words. These are words in the scriptures. So we taught people faith and we taught them speedily. And so you will see, the average Christian is anxious. He's living based on human calculations. Oh, by the end of this year, this is going to happen. In six months, this is going to happen. In seven months, this is going to happen. And so we have a bunch of anxious people, and I'm going to show you on Wednesday, anxiety makes the word of God not to be fruitful. Does God perform instant miracles? Absolutely. But how long are you going to live on miracles? You're the son of God. 
You're an heir to the kingdom. There's more to your life than instant deliverance. And funny enough, no, I'm not against that, but funny enough, we can't even endure persecutions nowadays. You saw this girl that was captured by Boko Haram and all that, and well, that social media story, I'm not sure what the truth is. That, oh, she didn't, they didn't release her because she didn't, um, she didn't accept to change her religion, and Christians were using her picture as DP, uh, challenging, oh, this is challenging my faith, this is challenging my faith. You don't need to challenge your faith. When you go to the office, and you have to do what is not right, were you able to stand? Leave her alone. Let's, you know, we have a way of trying to make all kinds of, just leave her alone. God has given her a major faith for her situation. The lies you tell every day, when they send you to go and buy parts, that is you. We should be using you. For denying the faith. Like we were too, you know, we can be too emotional. And we just carry the issue on our head. And oh, oh, they are persecuting us. And you are stealing from someone here. They are not persecuting you. But yet you are a thief. And then when it's all church workers, you are the first to come up. This is the issue. It's not about, listen to me. If the word of God cannot change you, there's nothing else that can change you. Not even a rehabilitation system. Because your spirit, do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, we celebrate our courage, but it's not really about her. It's about what God wants every one of us to do in our daily sphere. It's about what you're going to do on Monday morning. That's where the challenge is. God is not going to judge you based on her. God is going to judge you based on what? The situation he has placed you. But how can we? When we're so much in a hurry to get rich. When we're so much in a hurry to get rich. So much in a hurry to break through. So much in a hurry. We don't even talk about contentment anymore. It's the biggest, the fastest. And even for some of us that the Lord has blessed, there's no joy to even enjoy what God has given us because we're in a hurry to get the next one. There are some of you listening to me this morning. If God doesn't give you extra funds, you'll be fine for the rest of your life. But you know the problem? You, don't, you are not even aware. Why? Because we live in a society that will always want you never to be satisfied with where God has placed you. And you know the funny thing? When you come to this place of rest, you will experience increase without effort. There is the kind of increase you can only experience from God when you are not anxious. Are you following what I'm saying this morning? Is the Lord speaking to us this morning? That there is a demand for this world to be productive. Paul, Paul said, when you ought to be teachers, you have need that someone will teach you again. There are certain things we shouldn't deal with as believers. Anymore, we should have outgrown those things. But it can only happen if the word of God is fruitful. Now let's go. Are you there in Mark, Mark 4? Okay. Look at this now. And he said to them, do you understand this parable? How then will you understand all the other parables? This is the key to the parable. The soul and souls the word. The sower sows the word. Verse 15. I, 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 I want to emphasize this, this thing again. Never cheat someone to prosper. Don't ever do it. 
you would shortchange your life. Don't do it. Don't do it. I sense that very strongly in my spirit. The Lord is bringing that to us. Don't ever do it. Be content with whatever profits you have from whatever job you're doing. Some of, some of us that are apprentices, we were trained to steal. That's the way they were training you. That in this work, if you don't do it like this, ah, you cannot make money. Don't follow that path. You are now a believer. If you would trust God to bless you, just do the things you have to do at the right time and at the right whatever price you are putting. Prosperity is a gift from God. It says the blessing of the Lord make it rich and does what? Added no sorrow. You're not in competition with anybody. You're not. Live your life based on God's plan for you. Are you following what I'm saying? Okay. Let's go here now. And these are the ones, we're going to just deal with two verses. And these are the ones, verse 15, Mark chapter 4. By the wayside. Funny enough, I was looking at the children's outline for, for today. This is what the children are also learning. So that's good. This is what the children are also learning. The parable of the sower, which is very good. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, look at this. Satan comes when? I want to hear that word loud and clear. When everyone? When? Immediately. Can you see that? Come on now. If I give you something, if I give my brother something, and someone immediately, look, I want you to look at that word, immediately, right? If I give you something, and someone immediately comes to snatch it away, does that tell you how precious that thing is? Come on, come on, can we agree on that? Does that tell you how precious that thing is? Like, Satan didn't even wait to say, okay, well, let them get home. You wonder why some of you quarry on your way back home? Yeah, I know you will not. Don't raise your hand. But I know some of you, by the time it's by the time you get into the car, then the quarrel starts. And sometimes you get back home and ask yourself, so why were we quarreling? Immediately. That was the word. Being stolen. What is Satan after in your life? The word. Nothing else. If you go to a church where you are not properly taught, the enemy is not bothered. He can fill up, he can fill up those churches. He can himself contribute to church growth. Just keep going. Just keep going. Just keep going. The enemy doesn't mind you hearing a wrong doctrine. It's even better for him. At least, you are one person less that he should concern himself about. Have you sat down with intelligent people who went to school? I'm going to deal with that in May. I think it's time to teach that. Intelligent people who went to school and they still believe that after being born again, they can be impacted by generational causes. Have you tried to explain to them? And they now look at you and feel sorry for you. If I went there and leave it, they say, I'll be praying for you. And you look at them like, this thing is not consistent. It's not consistent with the doctrine of Christ. You can tell me that what God has done for me is less than what the sins of my father can put upon me. Absolutely no. The blood of Christ is stronger. The blood of Christ is better. He speaketh better things than the blood of Abel. They say, yes, I know. But, if you look at it critically. And then you sit down and say, but you went to school. They say, no, this thing is a mystery. 
You will not understand that. And when you are leaving, they say, that church you are going to, you know, Pastor Banke, Pastor Banke said, he preached somewhere, and he would say, this pastor does not understand African demons. Can you imagine? So they should have written a special Bible for us. The scripture says you make the word of God of no effect by your tradition. Listen, we can nullify God's word. We can. The word of God is so powerful. Only a man by his belief system can nullify it. Have you, go, I would like you to study a bit of church history. Have you, have you read about people who have made attempts to destroy this book? Go read about them in church history. At the end of the day, the book has lived them. Have you, have you read how many atheists have risen up to debate this book? At the end of the day, the atheists will go, the book will remain. There's something about God's word that's eternal, that's everlasting. It has never been able, despite the attacks against it, it has never been erased from history. God's always preserved His Word. God has always preserved the people who carry His Word. I'm going to a missions conference in Vietnam. And they were introducing one of our speakers to us in the conference. He's, he's, the guy is from Russia. He was trained, listen to this, he was trained as uh, one of the communist foot soldiers in those days. And he heard the gospel. So he accepted the Lord Jesus. And they just told him that, do you believe, the scripture says about turning the other cheek, that this is God's word. He said, this is God's word. He said, okay, no problem. We're going to test how you believe the word. Every day, we're going to be plucking out one of your teeth. Every day. All you need to do to be free from this is just to retaliate. Either blow the person or just do something back to the person and then you're free. And they were doing that to him every day until about eight of his teeth were pulled out. And he said from nowhere he felt love and compassion for the person doing it. And on the eighth day, the man who was removing his teeth came and said he has never experienced so much love. From somebody, do you understand what it means? Even for some of you, when you go to the dentist with all the injections, you still feel pains. For eight of that to be pulled out. And that caused the mighty outpouring of revival. You don't know his name. Because for such soldiers of the Lord, it's not about fame. And we can hardly get in front of your parking and the parking lot. It's the same Bible we're reading. It's the same Bible. That's one of our speakers. I'm so looking forward to meeting him. And you ask yourself, is this the same God we're really serving? Some of you can hardly forgive. You have your diary, March 14th, 2 p.m. You said this, I said that, I've forgiven you. But you repeated again, 1973. 16th. It was 2.20 p.m. I will forgive, but I will not forget. Because I am a human being. Continue being a human being. Satan comes immediately to steal the word. They tell you about walking in love. You say, oh, it's not possible. Auntie, 
you meet some wicked people in this life, you will know that even God will not forgive them. Satan comes immediately to steal the word. Satan is after the word in your life. Don't you see it? The scripture says, the God of this world has blinded their eyes that the light of the glorious gospel will not shine on them. Satan is after the word. That's what he's after in your life. He's not after your money. He's after the word. Because once he gets the word, he can get everything in your life. He's after the word. He's after the word. He says, he comes immediately. I want you to look at the speed with which Satan comes after the word. How quickly he comes after the word. He doesn't even allow it to settle down. He just comes quickly. He goes after it. You hear what today? He comes quickly. He goes after it. Quickly, immediately. He's looking. Has the word been sown? Yes. Come on. Let's go for the word. And plucks the word out of your life. He doesn't mind you living by what you watch on TV. He doesn't mind you living by what you read. He doesn't mind you living by anything but not by the word. Satan's greatest fight is the word of God in your heart. Because he knows that with that, you can do the impossible. Praise the name of the Lord. I said praise the name of the Lord. Satan comes immediately. Take away the message which is sown. Verse 16. These likewise are the ones on stony ground who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness. These are another kind of people. They are always shouting, Preach, Master. Go on. Yes. Yay. Amen. So be it. Tell them. Tell us. So rejoicing. Always with gladness. But look at this. Look at this. They have no roots in themselves. They just, with the excitement of the moment, they are fine. They don't go back home to study the word anymore. They don't go back home to read the word anymore. There's no roots. They haven't, they haven't taken time to dig their roots in the word. Look at what happens. And so endure for a time. These ones, yeah, the word is there for a time. It's there. And afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately, look at that word again, immediately the stumble. These ones cannot enjoy anything. You know, even, nobody, nobody wants trouble, nobody is praying for trouble, but we don't run away from it. You know, the version of Christianity we are presented is a Christianity that doesn't go through anything. That's why we can't endure persecution. That's why some of our marriages don't last. Is there any little thing? We're backing off. We can't stand tribulations. The scripture says, through much tribulations shall you enter into the kingdom. Even our songs, we try to change the word tribulations out of it. Because everything we want is success, 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 success. There's something wrong with that. But trying times will come. Tough times will come. I've said it here many times. There are times where righteousness will not pay you immediately. 
You will stay for what is right and you will suffer. That's when we want to know if you've got roots. Are you following what I'm saying? You know, today when we preach about Joseph in our churches, where do we talk about in Joseph's life? Where do we talk about how he became a prime minister? He slept in prison one night. The next night he got up. He was the prime minister of Egypt. And you see, tomorrow some of you are going to become prime ministers. Even though Nigeria is a democracy. We've forgotten that this boy was sold by his own brothers. We've forgotten that this guy was in pits. That this guy was in Potiphar's house as a houseboy, even though he had a, a vision in his heart. And that's the reason some of us cannot give birth to the vision of God in our heart, because God puts a large vision within us, but we don't want to go through process. Why? We were taught. Write the vision. Make it play. It will come. But you know what it says? It says, even if it tarries, wait for it. Did you, did you see that line there? That even if it tarries? What is that saying? That there is a possibility of the vision tarrying. But what did he say? Wait. Wait. There will be tough times. There will be times where as a believer... You've done all you can. You're trusting God for the fruit of the womb. Two, three years. You've got my, one of my pastors. Seven years before he gave birth to his first child. doesn't mean God is wicked. Those are trying times. Those are times to check if the word is in your heart. We must learn to praise up. We must learn to praise up. See people with little or no money. In fact, I'm amazed. You know, some people will come to you and say, you know, Pastor, I don't, you know, I don't have money, I don't have work, eh, and I don't want to do bad things. You know, when you tell me that, I'll say, go and do it. You can't threaten me with your tendency to do evil. You know, sir, as the way it is, the only option for me, go, 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 go. You want to be a thief? Go ahead. You think by saying that you will go and do evil, I will quickly want to help you. No, no. That would also become an emotional tool in my hand, in your own hands. So every time you ask for something, I don't give you, say, you know, I'm about to kill somebody. I don't have any options. Say, oh, no, don't, don't kill, don't kill. No, go kill and go to prison. Without God's word, the capacity for evil is in every one of us. But you know what changed it? We paid attention to God's word. Don't think you are more wicked than anybody. Don't think you are more evil than anybody. But you know what happened? We gave ourselves to the word. And what happened? God took the heart of stone away from us and gave us a heart of flesh. Don't think that, ah, if they've not got, no, don't relax. Calm down. Some of the most quiet believers you ever meet, if you have met them without meeting Christ, your own evil will run. So don't think, oh, you know, the man is just, no, 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 no. That's why the scripture says, deliver us from temptation. Is 
Peter was just walking with Jesus. Right? Peter was walking with Jesus. Peter was walking with Jesus. And they came to, 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 to carry Jesus. Peter took so that cut somebody's ear. That's Jesus' disciple. Jesus now said, okay, it's not like this now. And then put it back. I mean, how can you be carrying sword and following the master? It means Peter had told himself one day, all these Pharisees, I will cut some. <laughs> Let them come here. <laughs> so, Jesus, imagine if Jesus couldn't heal that ear. That guy will just be without ears. When he sees Peter on TV and says, You know that preacher? He's very wicked. Now, he's the one that removed his ear. He don't go to his church. Hey, Peter, I mean, Jesus, Jesus just said, I mean, okay, put your sword back. If we need help, we will ask angels. Peter said, No, before angels will come down. We have to just remove ears. So that next time, when they see Jesus, they say, that one will not betray him. Those are the kind of guys, those were the kind of pe- people Jesus worked with. But this was the same Peter, that when they locked him up in prison, he was singing praises. What had happened to him? His heart has been changed. You know, Saul, guy was supervising killings. Like, stone the guy. Say no, no, the guy is not dead. Stone him more. Put like ten more stones. The guy, the guy is dead. But when he became born again, and he said something rough to the high priest, you know, in those days their correction is straight. They said, let somebody close to him just slap him there for what he have said. You know, they don't waste time. Don't say, what did you say? They don't say, repeat what you said. As far as they have heard it, they say, give him one slap there. <laughs> and you know what Paul did? He apologized. He says, I did not know that he was a high priest. This was a man who had had an encounter with God. That's why sometimes, when you find ex-cultists, when you find ex-Muslims serving the Lord, there's something in their heart that is more than some of us who were born in pastors' homes. Because sometimes we can attempt to serve God with a sense of self-righteousness that we've never sinned. But when those people come in contact with the mercy of God, it's amazing how they pour themselves onto the Father. I want to challenge you this morning. Never allow a famine of the word to be in your house. Don't allow the things you're going through to stop you from paying attention to the word. You know what Paul says? He says, what can separate us from the Lord of God? He says, not tribulations, not hunger, nothing, either things present or things to come. Make up your mind that sink or swim, God's word is going to be priority. Are you following what I'm saying? Don't give up. Don't give up on life. Don't start threatening God. Oh, if you don't do this, by this year, I'm going to stop coming to church. Don't do that. And the reason we make all of that is because of the way we were brought into Christ. How were we brought into Christ? With excessive promises. If you come, this will happen. If you come in our church, there's an anointing for childbirth. There's an anointing for defense. There's an anointing for ordinary favor. There's an anointing for extraordinary favor. Listen to me. We didn't come to Jesus because of that. We came to Jesus because we were sinners who needed his blood to become righteous. The first thing and the first reason why we came to Jesus is because all of us sitting here this morning, we needed a savior. That's why we all came to him. And that must remain the focus of the church. Everything else is important. He will give it to us. But we came to him primarily 
because we needed a savior. We came to him because we couldn't help ourselves. And if we have done that, whatever our lot is in life, we're fine with it. Knowing that we're eternally saved in the bosom of the Father. Don't let there be a famine of the word in your house. Don't let there be a famine of the word in your life. Don't give Satan the room to steal the word. He doesn't mind you being distracted, trying to serve. Make a commitment this morning that you're going to go back to the word. Dust your Bible, read it up again. God has preserved this word for centuries, for ages. He will do it. Get God's word back into your heart. Fall in love with the word of God again. Fall in love with Bible studies again. Fall in love with the fellowship of the brethren again. Fall in love with the things of God again. The enemy doesn't mind you having money. If he can take the word from you. But that's a foolish exchange. That's a foolish exchange. This is God's treasure to humanity. Moses says... These words are your very life. I want us to make a recommitment this morning to get back to the word. Every one of us. Even if we were reading before, let's, let's make a recommitment. Let's make a recommitment to get back into the word. That we'll study your word again, Jesus. We will open our hearts to your word again. We would listen to messages that teach your word. We will support the spread of your word. Don't starve your soul. Don't just go somewhere because you feel, oh, you know, if I'm here, oh, don't be emotional. Get into where your word, your spirit can be fed with the truth. Don't be emotional about God's word. Get where your heart can be fed with the word of God. Get where your heart can be fed with the word of God. It's time to get back to the word, saints. It's time, it's time. It's time. It's time to read the word again. It's time to listen to the word again. It's time to get up in the morning and spend some time in the word. It's time to get up at night and say, I'm going to meditate on the word. His word changes us. His word transforms us. If we pay attention to God's word, it will change us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. His word. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.